Thanks, sweetie, and thank you for tuning in to episode 116 of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. Back to one of my favorite voices in my dad's collection. He was a singer I was supposed to see, however, he got sick before the show, but that show included Sammy and Frank. He's often referred to as the King of Cool. So, get ready to hear the stereo copy of the two my dad has of this album with volume 116, Dean Hits Again. You nobody till somebody loves you. You nobody till somebody cares. Possess the world and its gold. Ah, the gold bone bring you happiness ah, when you're growing real old. The world still is the same, you'll never change it. As sure as the stars shine above. Somebody really loves you So find yourself somebody to love As sure as the stars shine above Somebody loves you So find yourself somebody It's Dean Martin with Your Nobody Till Somebody Loves You, written by James Cavanaugh, Larry Stock, and Russ Morgan. It was actually the second time Dean released this song, the first time being just months earlier on his final record for the Capitol label, The Door Is Still Open to My Heart. Okay, why this album for this episode? Well, it's about time I got to the second of the four Dean Martin albums my dad had, especially since this was one of his favorite singers. My dad had also collected several of Martin's CDs when that technology took over my dad's collection. Plus, Martin had such an interesting life, I'll only be able to touch on a few points when I get to the bio, but it was really fun researching it for the show. Next up, 
Dean does a lot of opening his heart in his music. Darling, just believe your eyes and look, mm, look. My heart is an open book. I love nobody but you. Look, look. My heart is an open book. My love is honest and true. I'm jealous, so and so, That's why he's telling you that I've got a cheating heart. Don't believe all those lies, darling. Just believe your eyes and look, look. My heart is an open book. I love. Nobody but you Some jealous so-and-so Wants us to part That's why he's telling you That I've got a cheating heart Don't believe all those lies Darling, just believe your eyes And look, mm, look my heart is an open book. I love nobody but you. Nobody but you. Nobody but you. My heart is an open book. Written by Hal David and Lee Pockris. Okay, let me tell you about my dad's vinyl I have chosen for this episode. Dean Martin. Dean Martin hits again on the Reprise Records label number RS6146. It's a vinyl LP album stereo format. was released February 2nd, 1965. Its genre is jazz pop. Its style is easy listening. Now, Martin was accompanied by his longtime pianist, Ken Lane, and the orchestra was arranged by and conducted by Ernie Freeman. It was engineered by Eddie Brackett. The photography for both the cover and the liner notes was Ed Thrasher, and its producer was Jimmy Bowen. Now, you can tell this is the stereo version because of the large word stereo on the front cover. My dad also has the mono version of this record. And according to ChatGPT, yes, I'm looking at them more often for research, Dean Martin's album Hits Again was released in both mono and stereo versions because at the time of the album's release, stereo technology was relatively new and not yet widely adopted. Therefore, many record companies would release albums in both mono and stereo to cater to customers who had not yet upgraded their equipment to stereo. In the case of Hits Again, the mono version was likely the primary release as mono was still the standard format for most records at the time. However, the stereo version would have been marketed to audiophiles and early adopters who were interested in experiencing the album in the new stereo format. It's also worth noting that some listeners still prefer the sound of mono recordings as they can be more consistent across different playback systems and may have a warmer, more natural sound compared to some 
earlier stereo recordings. And I also noticed that there was a paragraph from the liner notes of the mono version missing from the liner notes of the stereo version. I wonder why that was. It was about his, uh, about Dean's manager. We will be hearing six of the 10 songs from this album. Now, the liner notes are quite extensive. I'm only going to read the first and last paragraph with one line from each paragraph in between. The atmosphere at his recording sessions has changed. Before he hit with Everybody Loves Somebody and Then the Door is Still Open to My Heart, Dean Martin's sessions were hopeful. Now, hits later, they're confident. You don't need to listen at the sessions to tell you that. You can tell just by looking. Confidence everywhere. In everyone. In Ernie Freeman, the arranger and conductor. In Mac Gray, Dean's manager. In Ken Lane, Dean's accompanist. In Jimmy Bowen, the producer. In Eddie Brackett, the engineer. In the orchestra, always looking bored as if they'd really rather be home watching Mr. Ed reruns. <laughs> and in Dean Martin. Dean's casual again. He radiates confidence, but sweat is beginning to make rings on his polo shirt. It's not all casual. As a matter of fact, it's a special kind of hell they're all going through making these songs for you. And those liner notes were written by Stan Cornyn. Okay, let's see what prices this record is being sold at on Discogs.com. Well, it was only sold twice on that website. The highest was $10.52, or £9.99, which it actually sold for, or $5 for the lowest, which made a $7.76 average and median, and it was last sold on January 8, 2022. The mono version was last sold on February 5, 2023, for only 3 bucks, but had a high of 15 149 Discogs.com collectors claim the stereo version in their libraries, while 1,554 claim the mono version. Neither eBay nor Amazon had copies much different from those valuations. Both of my dad's copies are in really good condition, really clean between the, between the cuts, and not much crackling or hiss. Both covers are in really good condition as well. There's not much wear and no tears. And of course, the mono version has my dad's address label on the front cover. So I'll value both of my dad's vinyl copies at three bucks a piece. Okay, can I have your pillow?
so darling I can dream on it too Send Me the Pillow You Dream On, written by Hank Lachlan. Okay, let's add a little more bio information to what we heard in episode 75 about this cool crooner. Martin was born Dino Paul Crocetti on June 7, 1917 in Steubenville, Ohio, to an Italian father and Italian-American mother. His first language was Italian, and he spoke no English until he started school at the age of five. He attended Grant Elementary School in Steubenville, where he was bullied for his broken English. As a teenager, he played the drums as a hobby. He dropped out of Steubenville High School in the 10th grade because, according to Martin, he thought he was smarter than his teachers. He bootlegged uh, bootlegged liquor, worked in a steel mill, served as a croupier at a speakeasy and a blackjack dealer, and was a welterweight boxer. He started singing with local bands, calling himself Dino Martini after the Metropolitan Opera tenor Nino Martini. He got his break working for the Ernie McKay Orchestra. He sang in a crooning style influenced by Harry Mills of the Mills Brothers and Perry Como. By late 1940, he had begun singing for Cleveland band leader Sammy Watkins, who suggested he change his name to Dean Martin. He stayed with Watkins until at least May 1943. By fall 1943, he had begun performing in New York. Martin was drafted into the military in World War II, but after 14 months, he was discharged due to a hernia. After his 10 years with Jerry Lewis, which we'll explore more deeply in this episode's interesting side note, Martin had a stellar solo career. Like Sinatra, Dean could not read music. But he recorded more than 100 albums and 600 songs, where he hit the top 100 charts 28 times. He appeared in at least 35 movies and countless TV specials, including his own, The Dean Martin Show, and the popular Dean Martin Celebrity Roast. Despite Martin's reputation as a drinker, perpetuated via the vanity license plate drunkie, his alcohol use was quite disciplined. He was often the first to call in a night, and when not on tour or on a film location, he liked to go home to see his wife and children. Martin, a lifelong heavy smoker, was diagnosed with lung cancer at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in September 1993. He was told that he would require surgery to prolong his life, but he rejected it. He retired from public life in early 1995 and died of acute respiratory failure resulting from emphysema at his Beverly Hills home on Christmas Day 1995 at the age of 78. The lights of the Las Vegas Strip were dimmed in his honor. Okay, gee, another song about love. (laughs) Imagine that. 
Send me some lovin' Oh, send it, I pray How can I love you When you're far away Send me your picture Yes, send it, my dear So I can hold it And pretend you are here Can you send me your kisses I still feel your touch I need you so badly I miss you so much My days are so lonely Oh, my nights are so blue Send me some loving I'm waiting for you Can you send me your kisses? I still feel that touch. I need you so badly. I need you so badly. My days are so lonely. And my nights are so blue. Please send me some loving. I'm waiting for you. Send me some loving. I'm waiting for you. Send me some loving, written by John Marisalco and Leo Price. Time now for this episode's interesting side note. And it has to do with the famous Martin and Lewis Act, one I have been asked to cover on this show. And please indulge me, because it's a little long, but it is such a great story. Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis were one of the most iconic comedy duos in American entertainment history. Before they teamed up, Martin was a nightclub singer while Lewis performed a comedy act lip-syncing to records. Dean met Jerry at the Glass Hat Club in New York, where both were performing. They formed a fast friendship, which led to the participation in each other's acts and the formation of a music comedy team. Their debut together occurred at Atlantic City's 500 Club on July 24, 1946, and they were not well received. The owner, Skinny D'Amato, warned them that if they did not come up with a better act for their second show that night, they would be fired. Huddling in the alley behind the club, Lewis and Martin agreed to go for broke. They divided their act between songs, skits, and ad-lib material. Martin sang, and Lewis dressed as a busboy, dropping plates and making shambles of Martin's performance and the club's decorum until Lewis was chased from the room as Martin pelted him with bread rolls. They performed slapstick, reeled off old vaudeville jokes, and did whatever else popped into their heads. The audience laughed. 
This success led to a series of well-paying engagements on the eastern seaboard, culminating in a run at New York's Copacabana. An NBC radio series, The Martin and Lewis Show, ran from 1948 to 1953. On April 3, 1949, they debuted on their TV version of their Martin and Lewis radio show on the NBC TV network with guest Bob Hope with their inaugural program uh, drawing lackluster reviews in the April 30, 1949 issue of Billboard magazine. Lewis hired young comedy writers Norman Lear and Ed Simmons to improve their act. By 1950, Lear and Simmons were the main writers for Martin and Lewis. Gee, I think Norman Lear went on to create a few TV hit sitcoms over the years. The duo were quickly signed to a movie deal and ended up making 16 films together over the next 10 years. The formula was usually the same. Two unlikely friends are driven apart by some trouble, usually related to women chasing Martin's character, only to have each other's backs in the end. Almost all of their films became wildly popular. Despite their success, problems began to creep into their relationship. Martin started to feel that Lewis was exerting too much control over their work and began to talk of returning to his solo career. Lewis, who still idolized Martin in many ways, felt betrayed, and before long, the two stopped speaking. They performed a farewell show at the Copacabana on July 24, 1956, exactly 10 years after they had first taken the stage together. And I'll drop a link to a YouTube video of a show there in 1954 in this episode's liner notes. Both men continued to have success after going their separate ways. Martin's popularity continued as a member of Frank Sinatra's Rat Pack, and Lewis scored a series of hits with films like The Bellboy, The Ladies' Man, and The Nutty Professor. Despite their success and the passing of time, they continued not speaking to each other. Then came the Labor Day telethon moment in 1976. Now, contrary, contrary to legend, it was not really the first time Martin and Lewis had seen each other in 20 years, but it was an unexpected and memorable public re- reunion for the two legends. Frank Sinatra ushered Martin onto stage, and after a couple hugs and a few emotional moments, Lewis asked, uh, so you working? a question he had asked Martin back in 1946 before they got together. Even funnier was when Martin said, I'm working six weeks a year at the Megum, (laughs) referring to the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. And I'll drop a link to that YouTube video in the show's liner notes as well. The Martin and Lewis partnership remains one of the most beloved comedy duos in American entertainment history. Next up, is a song that was made popular by other artists as well. How I love to hear the organ In the chapel in the moonlight While we're strolling down the aisle Where roses entwine How I love to hear you whisper In the chapel in the moonlight That the love light in your eyes Forever will shine Till the roses turn to ashes Till the organ 
Chapel in the Moonlight, written by Billy Hill. Now, this version peaked at number 25 on the Billboard Hot 100, as well as spending three weeks atop the Easy Listening chart in August 1967. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. Dino was one of those voices that we heard around the house regularly. In fact, I'm pretty sure this music was required in all Italian households. He sang with such ease and emotion but always with a touch of humor. It was also cool diving deeper into a story about a partnership that we all got to enjoy on so many different levels, and one the world obviously missed once it ended. Okay, we're going to end on another song that was recorded hundreds of times, including by vocalists like Liza Minnelli and Rod Stewart.
be seeing you written by Irving Cahall and Sammy Fain and there you have selections from the King of Cools first album for Reprise Records so thanks for tuning into volume 116 Dean hits again however you did if you want more information about this show head over to spinningmydadsvinyl.com I'll be back next week with all my skips, scratches, and pops for a 78 RPM Sunday, Volume 117, Eight Sides from Victor. Until then, go with the flow, my friends. (laughs) 